Hello, everyone from the Jam Yearbook. I'm Matt. And I'm Jim. We're here to take you on a trip to a different year of music each week and share our opinions on what we found. Welcome to version 2016. Woohoo! <laughs> this is the year that finished third in the poll to see where we would go after. Loser. Sorry. <laughs> 2021 in more ways than one. <laughs> I wasn't determined to get 2016 in the books, but I like the spacing of mm-hmm. all the years that we've chosen. So it kind of fit that. And uh, really almost half our lives are in the 2000s. That's a lot of years to attend to. So yep. we, you know, we got to keep knocking those things out. How did 2016 fare? You're going to have to keep listening and find out. You're going to find out. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh man, we're kind of tipping our hand there. <laughs> <laughs> This is a good time to start bringing this up then. Uh, We've been kind of poking fun at ourselves for being downers and when we bring up the deaths in the music world. But 2016 was a special, terrible year. Awful. We lost some important people, some that Jim and I, you know, personally treasure. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we get to those, you'll know them just because you've heard us kind of gush about them in the past. We'll start with uh, Glenn Fry. Um, We won't go too deep into his passing. It's sad, but there's, there's a lot of story there. And I don't feel like all the details are out and there's lawsuits. So it doesn't really feel right to go into details about it. But it's Glenn Fry of the Eagles. And it doesn't feel right to to not acknowledge him either. Take it easy will always be a song I'll turn up if I hear it at the right time. Uh, the next gentleman who passed away was George Michael, legendary from Wham. Mm. You know, his, his solo career was fantastic. He passed away on Christmas Day. Matt... There's really no easy way to say this, and I can't pronounce these words right now. <laughs> here yeah, yeah, literally no easy way to say it. Uh, his death was attributed to dilated cardiomyopathy with myocarditis and a fatty liver. I should have practiced saying that before we started recording this show. <laughs> you probably could have got the fatty liver down. Yes, I could have. <laughs> I remember that day here in the UK, waking up on Christmas morning. It's supposed to be you know, a day full of joy, and it was the top news story. We'll probably get back to George Michael around 1990, but he had some issues in his lifetime and it wasn't a complete shock to the UK when the news came out. Next, we have George Martin. Yeah, producer for many, but most well known for his work with the Beatles. Mm -hmm. He was 90 when he passed away at his home in Wiltshire, England. Uh, The cause of death wasn't disclosed, but 90 is a great run. Yeah, he lived a good long life. He's an absolute legend. He knew how to handle the Beatles better than anyone. When they botched their self-produced Let It Be album, they brought George back in. He rejoined them if they'd only follow his rules. And we got Abbey Road. So thank you, George. All right. So on to the heavy hitters. Yeah. Prince. Ooh. Prince. Yeah. Prince Rogers Nelson. Uh, one of the most talented and original musicians of his generation. Mm-hmm. His music, it would include like funk, R&B, rock, pop, synth, soul, new wave, just whatever he wanted to do. And he did it all often playing most or all of the instruments on his songs, uh, producing as well. Mm-hmm. He pioneered that Minneapolis sound in the 80s. If you grew up in the 80s, you knew the names like Sheila E., The Time, Apollonia, Vanity, and offshoots from the revolution like uh, Wendy and Lisa. Yeah, He died from an accidental fentanyl overdose. Everyone was shocked. Yeah, This was just completely unexpected. The day it happened, I remember coming home from work and just listening to different versions of Purple Rain. And finding clips of him playing guitar, just mm-hmm. just feeling in awe of his talent and just disbelief in the passing at the same time. I kind of really found myself surprised at how much his death affected me. I didn't expect what I was feeling when he died. Yeah, I think the entire world shook when the news broke. 
Prince had still been actively recording and touring, and this was completely unexpected. I don't think there'd ever been a concern amongst his fans that he would die from drugs. It was a massive loss to music. Yeah, he felt uh, it felt like he was invincible. It really did. It really did. Yeah. And then another death that uh, occurred and it really hit hard for me was David Bowie. He had just released his final album, Black Star, and then passed away two days later. It was his first album to debut at number one. Bowie was one of the greatest chameleons in the music industry. Very few artists have ever been able to continually reinvent themselves to the level of success he did. Bowie didn't burst out of the gates. Even though his early albums are influential, he wasn't really a worldwide superstar until the early 1980s and the release of his Let's Dance album. He worked with everyone from John Lennon to Stevie Ray Vaughan, Mick Jagger to Tina Turner. When I think of a lineup of 80 stars in my mind, I can just see his yellow suit and his golden hair and his big flashy <laughs> smile. When Bowie died at 69 years old, I immediately thought of a lyric he wrote in Young Americans. You live for just these 20 years, and then you die for 50 more. He was 69. He almost called his own timeline. Coming from Bowie, that's not really a surprise. <laughs> if this wasn't his farewell, I wonder how I would have received it. It's moody as hell, Black Star. Uh, I like to think I would have loved it. But uh, you said he's he was that chameleon mm -hmm. in the music world. What do you think he was trying to channel with Black Star? I think he was channeling quite a bit of personal emotion. There was regret gratitude, disbelief, and acceptance all combined into one album. All the levels of grief. Yeah, I, I've only ever listened to this album once. It's really all I could handle. And even for this week in preparing for it, I didn't really go back because the day after he died, I was on a train from Dundee to Edinburgh and it brought me to tears. I felt like I was listening to a man who was seeing his life flash before his eyes. Yeah, this is probably his most original work to my ears. Mm -hmm. um, I always thought of Bowie as an artist and less a musician because just whatever he did kind of seemed to reflect the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Matt, let's toast to Bowie, Prince, George Martin, George Michael and Glenn Fry. Yes. <laughs> here to, here to, here to you guys. <laughs> let's head on to 2016 in the music. I'll start by fully disclosing that when I pulled back the curtains on 2016, I felt lost. The charts aren't familiar to me at all, and I'm not finding that, but here in the UK moment to come and bring <laughs> into the show and talk to you about. Yeah, this it's definitely an old man yelling at clouds version today. Mm -hmm. uh, we're in the same boat. I had I had a few bands that I was really into them, but we'll get we'll get into them later. I was aware of some of the music because of my kids. Uh, some of it I like, uh, but I could have just been beaten into submission with it. But some of it wasn't like that it caught on in my house in 2016, you know, it may have been more like 2018 or, mm -hmm. or so. Mm -hmm. Well, I think R&B and rap music definitely ruled the top mm -hmm. of the charts in 2016. Oh, yeah. So let's just start there. Yeah, rip that Band-Aid off. Let's I go. will. Okay, here we go. It's <laughs> right away, Beyonce and Lemonade. This probably isn't going to go over well with fans of Queen B, <laughs> but I have to admit, I've always struggled a little bit with Beyonce. This album was actually a little refreshing. Here's the thing. Do I think she lacks talent? Absolutely not. She's intelligent, beautiful, the complete package of one of the greatest entertainers of her era. But here's where I'll get the hate. I don't think she's as great a singer as the world tries to tell us she is. She's not bad, but she's not Aretha or Tina. Her voice is pretty, 
but it lacks that real emotional soul for me. Yes. Yeah. So why do I think this album's refreshing? Because she successfully stepped outside of that commercial comfort zone. This album grabs the snippets of everything new going on in R&B with a few throwback moments and crafts the pieces together in the right way. I feel funny saying this, and I hope it makes sense, but listening to this album and digesting it has helped me wrap my head around what a lot of the recent R&B artists are doing more in their music. The creative patterns and trends have changed. R&B is showing that it doesn't have to be verse, chorus, verse, bridge, chorus, verse. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Would you say she's maybe being made out to be this generation's Whitney Houston. I'm not comparing their voices, Mm -hmm. but she's kind of put on that pedestal. I mean, I'm not really even sure how she achieved that stature. Yeah. I would say the big industry machine is what got behind her and didn't, didn't hurt to have Jay-Z on her arm producing and, 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 you know, working with her, but I would say maybe more, a little bit more Janet Jackson than Whitney. Janet is an entertainer, but not known for being a strong singer. And I do yeah, think I that, that. If, I do think if Janet hadn't had a boob pop out during the Super Bowl, <laughs> she'd be much more respected today and and have yeah. a more iconic status for her career. Yeah, she wouldn't have to answer to that for the next year and a half. But here's a question for you, Matt. And I'm glad I have this opportunity to talk to you about lemonade because you've got the young kids in the house, and I think they can give you some answers about this. Is it <laughs> time for R and B to have its own subgenre? Uh, you know, rap music. Because nothing in Lemonade sounds like Love on Top, which was a great Beyonce R&B song. Is this alternative R&B? Is that what we're witnessing in the 2010s? We, we definitely are witnessing something different. Um, I think you're, you, you are, you're right. But is there something vastly different between what Beyonce has always done and just straight up pop? So I had to admit to listening to Lemonade to my family and I got kind of <laughs> giggled at because yeah, Beyonce is not something that uh, goes on in this house. Uh, but you're, you're right. Maybe it's time we start applying genre labels to songs and just accept artists as being fluid in genre mm-hmm. so they can dip their toes in whatever water they want. But I listened to Lemonade a couple of times this week and I love her for making this album and before okay everybody stop laughing (laughs) (laughs) but but here's why album making is a lost art Mm -hmm. singles are what drive the business right uh you know and there are a ton of one hit two hit wonders i still love from when i was a kid but as i got older i find those less fulfilling you know i'm an album guy i say that a lot i love hearing how songs lead into each other Mm -hmm. and as a whole they can tell a bigger story or just create this sonic atmosphere for a longer period of time than just one song. It's kind of like making that mixtape for a friend or a road trip when you're younger. Mm -hmm. I love having albums I can get lost in. I really respect that work and the thought that goes into all of that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I won't pretend this wasn't my first listen, but digging in, I'm like, Oh, there's a film that they put together for the songs on this album. So I knew there was something more than what I'm just hearing on the surface. I, I like the album. I won't say I love it, but I, I like the, uh, I love the accomplishment of it because yeah, of that yeah. lost art of album making. You know, what's funny is after listening to the album, I kind of went, Oh, I know why Kanye went Kanye and ran out on stage <laughs> during the award ceremony <laughs> when Taylor Swift had won and Oh, stop up world. Beyonce should have won this. <laughs> it, it's justifiably understandable why Kanye had a lot of belief in this album. 
Yeah. And I just, maybe that kind of, maybe, boy, it's tough to put into words, but maybe that album was just as a whole, it was out of the grasp of people. Yeah. I because they that. weren't, because you're not, like I said, it's not a single driven album. It's mm-hmm. an album. It's AOR. Yep. Uh, another album that came out, and I think this guy makes albums. I don't think he's necessarily trying to go out and push singles. Very creative. Mm. Childish Gambino. Yeah. It's, it's a great album that he had in 2016. It sounds like someone took Parliament Funkadelic and Zappa and blended them together. <laughs> yeah. I love how some of it is such dirty funk and what his vocals sound like when he's singing. That scratchy, funky sound that he gets oh, yeah, out of yeah. it. I'm going to be honest with you. When I put this album on, I expected a rap album that I wasn't going to really enjoy. (laughs) And instead I discovered this soulful, funky experimental album. Oh yeah. Especially the, uh, the riff in me and your mama. It just, as soon as I heard it, I'm like, damn, that's, that's a Zappa. I could hear the Zappa doing that. Yeah. Yeah. There are definite psychedelic and P-Funk vibes throughout this record. Mm -hmm. And again, this is back to my respect for putting together a fully coherent, connected, just a really good album. Um, And I think one of the biggest compliments you can give an album or an artist for an album is it gets better every time you listen to it. And and every time you listen to it, you pick something else out. Yeah. Yeah. Next on my list to talk about Frank Ocean. I knew we both listened to his albums this week because he had two of them in 2016. Yeah. I I think my assessment of Lemonade and R&B and this new sound applies here, but like Beyonce, it seems like Mr. Ocean is getting this right. And he's doing it his way. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, I'm a little ignorant when this, with this whole new R&B, <laughs> but he's got such a great voice. It's probably auto-tuned to hell. It's definitely smooth jams that we, you know, we kind of have talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is essentially a double album. I mean, they were released one day apart. Can we call it uh, R&P, Rhythm and Prague? Oh, I like maybe? that. Yeah. You know, because it doesn't have that verse chorus flow, Mm -hmm. that map that we kind of like to jab at. That, that actually is a great possible (laughs) subgenre for this. (laughs) R&P. R&B. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's good songs on here, but again, uh, they're not all good songs, but I'll listen because of his voice. I Mm -hmm. really think his voice is spectacular. Yeah. He's got a great voice. So on my list of uh, artists as well, <laughs> with the same genre of music. I'm or, feeling some hesitation. Yeah, Post Malone. I know he's loved and I've tried, but this album does bring out that grumpy old man yelling at the clouds. <laughs> Turn that shit off. <laughs> Is there anything specific? Because I know sometimes with him, he's got this quick vibrato on his voice at the end of words that can kind of, it kind of distracts me and pulls me out of the song. Mm-hmm. And one of the challenges for me in rap music is that 808 hi-hat. And, and, oh, God. And it's so high in the mix. And sometimes it's so rapid fire. And it's that, you know, it's mm-hmm. not a constant, like, timekeeping piece. It's for an effect. Um, I just, I kind of find it exhausting. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a little bit stress-inducing as well. And it's really out of place in the slow jam, especially being so high in the mix. Um, I love building tension in songs, but this is different. You know, when a song building tension, it's like instruments working together and swelling, but then there's, there's a relief to it. But in some rap, the hi-hat just gets turned off, turned back on, turned back off. Um, (laughs) Nothing gets resolved. Yep. 
it's, it's like not being able to tune out that dripping faucet when you're trying to get to sleep <laughs> at night. You know, this, there are some good songs on here and I think his records get better as he keeps putting more out. I'm probably more used to just because of my kids, but yeah. white Iverson and congratulations. They're really good songs. I'm learning that hi-hat use talking to my kids and reading a little bit the hi-hat that we are irritated by. <laughs> it's a characteristic of a certain kind of rap called trap. Mm-hmm. And based on my limited knowledge of trap amid my general ignorance of rap uh, <laughs> trap, <laughs> trap seems to be that the rap equivalent of hair metal, how I called hair metal, the lowest common denominator. So that's kind of where I'm sitting at trap. It's, it's, it's not just sounds it's, uh, lyrical content mm-hmm. as well you know it, it dives into drug culture and that that kind of stuff that's why i kind of it's like the, the low-hanging fruit when you're trying to write a song and you're young oh absolutely it, it is the continual hi-hat 808s going on that drives mm. me nuts and brings out the old man in me i can't yeah. tell the music apart half the time i know there are distinctions between the rappers voices and styles and abilities but the music is so indiscernible it wears me out quickly if rap music at the beginning had been everyone following Sugar Hill Gang and just continually rhyming over Sheik's good times, rap yeah. would have died out quickly. It all sounds oh, yeah, too much the same to me as an outsider. But I'm going to bring up a point from a previous episode. I don't remember if it was 2002 or 2008. And we talked about Linkin Park. And you tried to shit on Linkin Park a little bit. And I stopped you and I said, look, <laughs> they were good at what they did. Everybody yeah. else who copied them made them annoying. Y- yes. Yes. But I'm going to take these 808 beats all the way back to Outcast and say, look, when these guys were doing it in the early 2000s, it was yep. cool. And I understand a whole generation of kids grew up on it. But you know, these hi-hat 808s are not guitar solos. They're buttons that you're hitting on a pad yeah. and then they're just dropping in and out with rhymes, but they're not actually, in my opinion, creating a, like really music out of it. It's poetry. I'll hand that to them. Yeah. But they're not propelling the music forward and they're not keeping time. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe it's more of a prog thing, you know, where they are keeping time. It could be, uh, it could be. Well, yeah. Let's get into, uh, you know, some of the pop music and if there was, there was the newly established pop princess, Ariana Grande and her album in 2016. Oh, are, are, here we go back down Candy Cane Lane. Oh yeah, we do. <laughs> or or Licorice Lane, right? Because yeah. it's not for everybody. We'll bring in the the Grateful Dead talk. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going to join you. I will say, turn that shit off. <laughs> you know, this is the kind of stuff that makes. I won't say people. I say me, or I don't know if it's men in general. You know, our age. You know, we're older. It's this kind of stuff that makes me roll my eyes. I'm not aware of the work that goes into this so i can't respect it but it's that obvious manufacturing or maybe it's more packaging of talent Mm -hmm. and this whole this dogmatic adherence to a look yeah um i i don't know if she's still what how many pictures have you seen where she's just wearing that same ponytail Uh the same (laughs) the same gaze into the camera like she's just not having fun is that it's, is that an Instagram generation though, where they have to look? It could at, be. It's the selfie thing where they have the same yeah. face in every single maybe. photo. Maybe, yeah. maybe. But you know what? Give me Alicia Keys no makeup look any day. Yeah. Well, this is Matt. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to admit to you, I oh. love the song "Into You" <laughs> off the album. You are a brave man. Yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> but there's a backstory to this. Yep. 
I was watching a variety show over here one night in the UK and there was some nearly 40 year old guy that came on and he belted the song out. I didn't know what the song was. And I was watching it thinking, this is a really well-constructed pop song. I was oblivious that it was Ariana Grande. So I had to go look it up and find it and see what it was that he was singing. (laughs) And yeah, to my dismay, I found out it was Ariana and I actually added the song to my playlist and I still enjoy the song. I know you've got some issues with it. So go ahead and let me know what, what else you don't like about it. Yeah. Damn you for making me listen to that song. <laughs> you brought it up and I'm like, all right, if we're going to go there, let me listen and, and I'll figure it out mm-hmm. or try to. Um, <laughs> holy shit. She didn't have a ponytail in that video. No, no, no. I was kind of shocked. And I'll walk a fine line here because I'm not in the mood to really just put on the asshole hat because it's it's going to be really obvious that I'm getting on a soapbox <laughs> just because of my age. And this is, you know, pop for younger kids. I can see if you had heard a different version of this song first, how you would go, oh, that's pretty good because the lyrics and the sentiment are really good. It's, you know, the lyrical content, it's, it's really a good, meaningful song. Mm-hmm. Um, but even when listening to, and I'll use this as an example, Everything in music is just like it's recorded so loud. Yeah. Everything's like really in your face. Um, even if you're listening on a very low volume, everything just sounds like it's redlined. Mm-hmm. I know I'm not picking up the nuance or the subtlety in music. Can't knock her voice. She's got an amazing voice. She's a good singer. Um, you know, and for people of a younger generation than us, your day's coming. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be in our shoes one day. I can't imagine where music's going to be in 10 or even 20 years. It's yeah. not that I don't want you to have, or the younger generation to have their music. Yeah, fine. Have fun with it. Great. We need to have someone on the show explain that draw to me mm-hmm. of this kind of pop music. Trust me. I see the flaws in the music I grew up on and I pointed them out just like mm-hmm. I'm pointing out uh, the flaws that I hear that just aren't pleasing to my ears. Yeah. So every one of our younger listeners listening to this show Keep in mind, one day you will shout at the clouds like angry old men as well. Exactly. <laughs> Except they're going, why can't we have Ariana Grande back? <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the other biggest stars of 2016 was Rihanna. Her album came out. She's had a, a, a great trajectory through the 2000s, 2010s. And her big single was the song Work. She's a billionaire now, so I'm not going to knock that trajectory <laughs> But there was some bullshit going on when this album was released that I need to address right now. We talk about how award shows are often just bullshit music politics. Oh, be prepared, people. I'm going to be on a pulpit a couple of times before the end of this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just gave it up. Yeah. But but these gold platinum album accolades have lost any meaning. When Rihanna released this album, Samsung made a deal to purchase one million free downloads Apparently, she now has hold the record for an album going platinum in two days. <laughs> How is this a record? These purchases were not made by individual fans. I don't know if this is something I'd generally be proud of because it's a corporation and not people who got her there. Yeah, that is some first class bullshit right there. Why were she and Samsung not called out on this? That This is more turn that shit off music. You know, I'm, I'm going to answer that question for you. Probably okay, good. because probably because they didn't take the U2 approach and force people to download it. 
Oh, that pissed people off. It did. It really angered people with Apple when you two put the album out and it just showed mm. up on people's phones. They were angry about it. However, when people were given the choice of downloading the album, that mm-hmm. made a difference. And oh, definitely. I think people were, oh, I can get it for free. I'll do it once. And then maybe they deleted yeah. it. I, I yeah, have to wonder, like, can we count the deletes and take them off that platinum status? <laughs> oh, 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 maybe. Would that be I'd great? Like to, yeah. That, yeah. Let's let's get into that. <laughs> uh but yeah, this is more turn that shit off music for me. <laughs> I can't listen long enough to figure out what it is with her music that I just can't take. Mm-hmm. I especially find diamonds just grating to me. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the the repetition in it of the, of the lyrics. Yep. And maybe it's back to the manufacturing of a star thing. I don't know what to trust as far as what's musically real. Mm-hmm. You know, Who's using autotune? Who's not singing in a live performance? Why isn't she writing any of the material? That's a pet peeve to me. Yeah. Right. You come off as just more of a performer than an artist. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. That's, that's me. That's a yeah. me thing. I know yeah. it's a pet peeve of mine and singers like this. They just, they don't have that feel like they had to struggle to get a break. Somebody saw that they had talent and said, here's what we can do with it. And I think that's, this is more of a societal thing. There's no perception of hard work going on to achieve the success. And I think they try to minimize that hard work. So you just get the glam and the glitz. It's just made to seem so easy, much like what we said about some of the newer music sounding chilled out and there's no effort to sound unbothered. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just more like, Hey, we're going to, it's Christmas. Let's open this present. Oh, Rihanna is sprung into the world all over and (laughs) all over, all over. And it, you know, I'm using Rihanna as an example in this, you know, Mm -hmm. you could say that about, you know, Ariana Grande, whatever, even some, probably some of the acts that I like or did like. Well, there is somebody who I know gets spoken about a lot in the Matt household, but I'm going to tap a beer and open it here (laughs) because I'm going to sit back and have Matt talk to us about Kanye's Pablo album. Yeah, life of public. Can you believe that we've talked this much about Kanye West More in this Coldplay. podcast? Uh, I know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you know, if it wasn't for my kids, I probably wouldn't have much positive to say because I would go down that whole path of oh, he's crazy, blah blah blah. But having heard, you know, probably even less than half of it, I've gotten used to his music. Mm-hmm. I can't pick it all out because a lot of times it's somebody else singing on it, so I'm like. That's Frank Ocean. What, what's going on here? And then Owen says, Oh, it's, it's Kanye. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. Musically, I can't say much bad about Kanye. I may not like it all, but he's original. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind the gospel aspects of it. I don't feel like I'm being preached to. Ultra Late Dream is a great song. And he incorporates some talented people in his music Kendrick mm-hmm. Lamar, Frank Ocean, Chance the Rapper, On This Life of Pablo, and more. Just go. Let me ask you a question here. You know, in 1991, we were so pissed off at Quincy Jones and what he did with the album that he had put out that won the Grammy yeah. that year. Is this what Kanye's doing, accomplishing what Quincy was trying with his Back on the Block album that we absolutely couldn't stand bringing the other artists in and such? Possibly, but I think Kanye maybe has a bigger vision install and mm-hmm. it's not just about Kanye. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he he does like to selfishly bring these people in because it, you know, it helps propel his work forward, but it gets other people exposure too, and they get a lot of credit for it. 
yeah, yeah. Um, where Quincy Jones, that album, is just a rank piece of crap. <laughs> and he got all the credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> and he got all the credit for it. Yeah, exactly. But uh, so I mentioned Chance the Rapper. Yeah. I'll break off from, not break off completely from Kanye, because Chance the Rapper was one of the ones on that Life mm-hmm. of Pablo album. He had an album called Coloring Book. That's a really good album. It's, it is more of a new discovery for me. I heard a few songs off it mm-hmm. earlier, you know, years earlier, but I, I listened to the album this week and uh, the whole thing is, it is gospel rap like Kanye in, in parts, but it's just got a lot of uplifting voices and sounds. You know, it's probably that, I mean, it's that gospel element to it, but there's one song, listen to no problem. It doesn't have that 808 sound that we whined about. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like a real drummer would play what's on this song. I'm going to have to go. I didn't listen to this. I'll have to go check that out. Yeah, yeah that's it, great. It's, it's really good. And there's nuance on this album. But there's one song, uh, another song on it, uh, Summer Friends. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing that song in the car and I look at the kids. I'm like, wait a sec. Is this Boney Bear? No. Yeah. It, yeah. Justin <laughs> Vernon's on there. It's that Kanye connection, right? Kanye and Justin <laughs> Vernon, they work together on the uh, Farewell Starlight album. From okay. Francis and the Lights, they do some writing and producing, performing. That's a really, that's a really great record. Um, and speaking of more of Boney Vare, he came out with Twenty Two A Million, which was a real departure yeah. for the Boney Vare brand. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing about Justin Vernon; he's got his toes into different bands: Volcano Choir, Big Red Machine, uh, the whole stuff that he used to do with Kanye and and, and stuff. You know, he's building those relationships to to learn from to incorporate and he can be a little bit more picky and choosy what he applies to that bony Vare label but this 22 a million record there's electronic and hip-hop production because of you know those relationships and the influence that he gets from them it still has that moodiness mm-hmm. that captured my attention on forever forever ago but there's new textures on here that are are interesting um, it grabs your attention. They're not my favorite songs. There's two, the first and the last track that I absolutely love. Okay. But as a whole, it kind of, you know, it kind of peaks and valleys for me. He couldn't keep putting out records like for Emma forever ago. No. That just wasn't going to fly over the long haul. And trust me, I know Boney Bear is a me thing. And while I wish I had people to bond over that music with, it's kind of nice to have my own thing. And I, I don't have other people's opinions and thoughts about reading into the music, kind of cluttering my head. I can just mm-hmm. get out of it what I need. So, but don't skip through my five this week. There's no bony bear there. Just, <laughs> spoiler alert. I'll admit there's no bony bear there. So I, I think this year is made for unique discussion. We're very heavily focused on pop R and B and rap. So thanks for bringing Bonnie Vare into the fold and notice that I said that's his all- name, right? Yeah, finally. Uh, I'm being that's respectful. That, yeah, that's how bad it is. Jim's thankful for Bony Bear. <laughs> and then we had the Weezer release of the White Album. How dare they Oof. release an yeah, album called The White Album? Are they oh, gonna they had a black album too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. This is not the best White Album there is out there. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's not. It's not the best Weezer album too. No. And then the either. Chili Peppers, they had Dark Necessities. These were two aging bands that were only remaining relevant at this point because of constant touring and nostalgic fans. But I think both of these albums were low moments for them. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yes, Me- yes. Metallica and Green Day were there in 2016, still putting out albums. 
And I think these bands need albums to justify touring. Otherwise, they're just going to look like they're going out capitalizing on the hits. Mm -hmm. But let's face it. People are only going for the hits now from these bands and not the new songs. Yeah, because our audience is aging just just like they are because they don't have that next big hit to draw in newer fans. Yeah. But I'm going to use these older bands to transition this over to an example of continually playing music and touring hits before they make it big. You want the soapbox back? Jim is stepping up on the soapbox. Here we go. (laughs) Here's the thing. I've talked about it on the show. I've played in a lot of bands in my earlier years trying to chase the elusive success with original music. I played with some great songwriters, but most of these folks never understood that if you believed in a song, you needed to keep playing it. It will never catch on unless you're out there playing the shit out of it every night. Most every original band I played with struggled with this. A new song might have gotten a great crowd reaction, but a few months later, the lead guy or songwriter was sick of it and just continually wanted to roll out new material. It didn't give the audience something to connect or anticipate and hang on to. So here's how I'm going to connect this to 2016. Two songs were released, one as a single and another as a demo, retrospectively, that both became number one hits in their respective charts. The first is Glasgow by Snuts. The demo was first recorded in 2016. I included the album version as one of my song choices for 2021. Those guys grinded that song out for five years before they hit number one. That's amazing. Five years of going out and playing this song over and over again. And then secondly, we have someone who's very popular now, Lizzo. She actually released Good As Hell in 2016. But it wasn't until 2019 that it finally got some exposure and became an instant classic. If neither of these artists had this kind of tenacity to stick with their songs that they believed in, we might not have known as much about them. Or maybe they wouldn't have been propelled to the level that they got to. So not to sound like I'm contradicting myself, those older bands are still going. And yes, still making records. But they wouldn't tour successfully without the songs that brought them their legacy 20 to 30 years ago. And for people who say they should just stop making music and shut up, why wish anyone to stop doing anything they love? If you don't want to listen to it, turn it off. But an asshole attitude about musicians being musicians is just a waste of energy. What are they going to do? Become plumbers? And I'll be honest (laughs) with you. Most of the time when I hear this, it's musicians saying that other musicians should hang it up. It's crazy. Yeah, but is it more localized oh, musicians definitely, saying definitely. that? Yeah, it's jealousy. Yeah, so there's yeah. yeah, 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 there's jealousy and maybe a little fear and mm-hmm. all of those emotions about never about not being, you know, known for their music. Yeah. It's yeah. tough. It's tough. It's an emotional hit. Yeah. Of course, I I will have one of those idiot bandmates who make statements like I'd rather be living like I am now instead of being forced to play the same song every night. That's bullshit. Bullshit. (laughs) No one wants to wash dishes to pay the bills. If you can't go out and bang out the same songs to advance your career, you have no concept of the phrase, put your work in. Matt's standing up. He's applauding me. (laughs) He's applauding me. (laughs) You're right. You're absolutely right. I find myself saying that about bands, you know, the stop making music. And then I catch myself and call myself an asshole because <laughs> I, I would switch places 
right? Who wouldn't mm-hmm. want to get up and do something they love every day, especially if it's music for you know you or I? Is it time to wrap up this general discussion? Have we have we have we, have we kind of beat this this boring dead horse? Yeah, I don't think there's much exciting for us to talk about. I mean, I just pretty much shit on the last half of what we talked about. <laughs> yeah, but who would yeah. think we'd have a show where we're praising Beyonce? And shitting on Weezer yeah. and the Chili Peppers. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, right? So let's all end a version 2016 with a sigh of relief. Yeah. And we're going to have years like this where we're just not as connected to the music. Not every year can be 1980 or 1993. Unfortunately. I had some music I was able to talk about appreciating, you know, mm-hmm. the Kanye and the Bon Iver. You not so much. But yeah, we're going to have times like that. So let's move on to our five. Well, when we move on to the five, I've got five songs that I enjoyed in the year. Just very different. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a a good way to do it. Hold, especially in a year like this, hold back what we really appreciate. Mm -hmm. All right, Matt, you're ready to move on. You chose 2016. I'm ready to move on with you. The five songs, which means you get to go first. So what is your first choice of your five songs? All right. So I kind of set this up as to going into a little bit deeper on the, mm-hmm. on the five songs. I'm going to start with Angela by the Lumineers. Okay. Um, You thought you probably thought we'd never talk about this band again. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cleopatra. This is a great record. And there's a story in the videos for mm-hmm. these songs. Uh, Ophelia, Cleopatra, Sleep on the Floor and Angela. The videos tell the story of this woman named Cleopatra. They were released out of sequence, like movies do with flashbacks and forwards and everything. But you could still tell they were connected. It was later called The Ballad of Cleopatra. They're really good songs. Okay. I really do. I really love this album. But Angela is the part of the story where she's married to someone she doesn't love. She's pregnant. She runs away and ends up in this motel. But she's in the parking lot. She has this moment. She gets out of the car and she just has this moment of being happy she's twirling around and you can see the relief on her face but she knows it's not going to be easy mm-hmm. kind of look all the while he's belting out that last line you know home at last which is weird you know she's in a hotel yeah or a motel rather but at the beginning of the video she's in the bedroom and you see the character kind of splits off into two where one returns to bed and mm-hmm. one kind of walks out. Oh, hold on. Okay. This isn't a film study podcast. So <laughs> no, no, that's about, fine. About, about, about videos. So it can kind of lead you to say, well, is it her thinking of how life would be if she stayed? If, you know, should I stay? Should I go? But getting back to the music, this gets back to being a great album. It's an album thing. But this song in particular, I love the melodies. I love how it's performed. I really do dig this guy's voice. It's not a really dense song. It breathes, but it does build up at the end. When you accompany it with the videos, it, it's kind of an emotional piece. So everybody needs to take a film class and then go back <laughs> and watch a bunch of songs that apparently Matt has pieced together for you here in the disguise of one song of a pick <laughs> for 2016. Yeah, I, I, and, and, you know, in, in looking ahead to the rest of my five, I'm like, this could be like five albums, not just five <laughs> songs that people could go to. That's great. So yeah. Thank you for, thank you for granting me the latitude. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I'd expect no less of you than to bring in some other songs. <laughs> so my turn, uh, my first song for 2016 I'm going to go with a guy called Jeff Rosenstock in the songs called Festival Song. This guy's authentic punk. He actually has 
a record label that's like, you know, like, I don't know, it's like a a nonprofit record label that he created for himself. yeah? Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And if you look him up on Wiki, he's a very unique artist. He's not looking for commercial attention with pop punk and that type of sound. He could, if you listen to his music, he has that, that, that style. Mm-hmm. But this song has kind of a vocal chant going on right at the beginning and through the song that sounds exactly what a British festival audience sounds like. <laughs> I don't have a huge attachment to it, but I really like the song's dynamics. And when I was going through songs from 2016, I thought, yeah, this, this can go on the playlist. I'm, I'm happy with this. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I gave it a listen last night. That chant, it makes you want to sing along. Yeah. You know, it, it, it does its job. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me want to pogo dance. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of had that bouncy, uh, bouncy beat. I, yeah, I like the dynamics in it. If you have a chance, go look at the album cover for this. It's it, the album's worry. And the, apparently the photo was taken at his wedding. And it's just the, when you realize this, I, out, this photo was taken at his wedding, it's absolutely yeah. hilarious. Yeah. He looks fucked up on it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's called worry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's my choice for uh, the, my first song. It's uh, over to you for your, over to you. Uh, over my you. number two yes. will be uh Redbone by childish Gambino. Nice. We, we talked about uh, this album. Great album. Uh, when Owen got his permit, Redbone and me and your mama, they got a lot of playtime in the car. It was around the time that we discovered the show Community. Mm-hmm. So, Mark, I know you're listening. You're wrong. That show's funny as hell. Weird, yes, great. but it's hilarious. That's Dan weird. Harmon is yeah. a genius. Absolutely. Mark? <laughs> Not that I have to get the last word in, but I'm... that show's awesome. Um, so I'm going to reel in the from the uh, Community discussion. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Mark. I just had to. But Redbone, it's just funky, smooth R&B with just a spectacular vocal performance all the parts in the song they have it just flows right you yeah. there, there's no jarring moment it just flows to the end it's mm-hmm. a really great song yeah good stuff yes off to you for your number two for my number two well matt i am gonna put a show tune in here for you <laughs> bastard matt does not like show tunes <laughs> we will not talk about greece and matt's presence yeah <laughs> uh, there are some good songs on there this song that I picked is Willie Nelson performing Someone to Watch Over Me. This is a cool story. We talked about award shows and their general bullshit, but there are some awards with meaning. In 2016, Willie won the Gershwin Award for songwriting. So what does he do? He goes and records an album of Gershwin standards. That's so <laughs> Willie of him. <laughs> to be honest, I probably wouldn't have found the album without doing this show. But it's a great way to be retro and include Willie and Gershwin with a spin on the Jam Yearbook. <laughs> ah, so, yeah, here's a show tune for you, Matt. I hope you enjoy it. I'll allow it. it. <laughs> I'll allow it. It's Willie. I, w- I won't say no to, to a Willie Nelson song. Yeah. I don't like everything he does, but I, I love a lot of it. But he also makes it not sound like a show tune. Mm-hmm. And I think... Something current music could learn from Willie Nelson is I hear trigger. I know it's Willie Nelson. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with having an identifiable sound beyond mm-hmm. the voice. So I, yeah, whenever I hear trigger, I'm like, Oh, that's just a comforting sound for me. If anybody doesn't know trigger is his guitar and it sounds amazing. Uh, yeah, it's Willie Nelson's guitar. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I figure Willie Nelson's been around so long. Everybody knows trigger, but. Maybe they don't. They might. Hopefully they know who Willie Nelson is. The younger hard hits. Yeah. If you don't, go listen to this song yeah, and you'll go understand. Listen to Willie Nelson. I mean, yep. Willie Nelson's and really. Don't... Go ahead. 
and do, and don't write him off just because it says country. He's he no. He is so much more than that. Yeah. Just like Johnny Cash is so much. Yeah, more. Yeah, to be honest, like Willie country. Nelson was actually our parents' music, but it's yeah. so respectable that we're still carrying it over to now. So. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. So that was my number two. I'm happy to have had Willie on the show. Let's go to your <laughs> number three. My number three is going to be cut it short by red Fang. Yeah. Just like the title. I'll keep it brief. Nope. Uh, I think I've kind of gone on a little bit long about some of these other ones, but besides making great crunchy stoner metal, <laughs> red Fang makes awesome videos. Okay. And I'll, and I'll admit their videos were the gateway into me listening and, and liking them. And I, this was probably one of those rabbit holes. I think it was for maybe prehistoric dog or something. But anyways, cut it short. They just seem like really fun guys. They mm-hmm. take the music seriously, but they don't take themselves seriously. Just go watch their videos. They're really, they're really fun. And it, it, it did make me kind of like open my ears to the music. And I can't listen to this song quietly. That's that's probably what metal is. You know, you don't want to do it quietly, <laughs> you know, uh, it, but cut it short. Uh, I love this song. It's awesome. I'm going to go watch the videos then instead of just listening to the song. So I think it'll make a <laughs> yeah. difference. Yeah, that's good. It- exactly. Like I was saying with the Lumineers, mm-hmm. right? Some, you, you, or even Beyonce from earlier, you know, you get a whole package and maybe where lyrics might kind of escape you, the visual makes you pay attention to it. Okay. That makes sense. All right. My number three, yours. My number three, I'm going with Father John Misty and his song, Real Love Baby. This song is like it's 1953. I've just slipped into something more comfortable, poured a (laughs) glass of whiskey and put this song on the record player. (laughs) Yeah, it's such a smooth song. Mm -hmm. And I get real hints of Beach Boys here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm not surprised that you get those hints. We spoke earlier in the 2008 episode about how Fleet Foxes were very heavily influenced by Brian Wilson and his songwriting, mm-hmm. the Beach Boys, and Father John Misty was the drummer for Fleet Foxes. Yeah. So there's definitely some connection there going on. I think it's really cool, personally, that there's been a revival of Brian Wilson's influence over the past 10 to 15 years. It's been present in a lot of indie music, especially harmonies. Yeah, harmonies, you don't you don't realize how awesome they are until somebody actually does it. Yeah. Well, they, te- they texturize the music. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, going back to like, you know, Huey Lewis, mm-hmm. right. You listen to all those, just it's like, oh, how many notes are, can we fit in there? It's, <laughs> it's awesome. Every note in the scale, let's go. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's my number three. It's simple, right. but a great song. I recommend everybody go out and check it out. It doesn't matter what kind of music you like. You will like, Real Love Baby by Father John Misty. Yes, you will. Mm-hmm. Awesome song. What's your number four? My number four. I'm going to try to say this without stuttering over my my tongue and marbles in my mouth. Okay. King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard <laughs> is, is the name of the band. Robot Stop. Every time I go to the record store, I see these King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard albums. Okay. Uh, they, there's, there's a lot of them there. And, I, and I'll go to my phone and I look them up. I'm like, ah, I still see that prog label. So I kind of like, you know, keep them at arm's reach. I use 
2016 as a way to force myself to listen to it. And mm-hmm. thank God it wasn't 2017 because they had five albums out. <laughs> <laughs> I would not have gone down that road. And I, w- and I probably would have been wrong. Warning but, for 2017 people, you know, <laughs> yeah, five songs uh, on five albums. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. that. That's a lot to get through. There are other albums maybe more in that classic prog mold. I don't know yet because I haven't been there. Um, You know how prog bands, the drummer has this wall of toms and yeah. just symbols hanging like jewelry everywhere. Um, <laughs> this is a very stripped down kit. Okay. So you don't, so you don't get those long Tom fills, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, you, it, it's very stripped down And this whole album, but I'll talk about this song. It's got some garage rock in it. I don't know how I can accept everything being loud here, but in Ariana Grande or pop music in general, I can't, I can't take it, but it's, it's raw, but it's refined at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the noodling that goes on, it's more like short riffs, uh, robot stop. It's catchy, but it's frantic. Um, it's a bit tension inducing. Okay. But in, after listening to us trash prog, <laughs> you might think that a 40 ish minute long prog album written to be played in an infinite loop would be our own little slice of hell <laughs> but it but it's not there are repeating motifs throughout the album that kind of tie songs together and the last notes of the last song lead you back in to the beginning of the album okay so yeah it's not probably not for the faint of heart it was a lot to digest the first time through but the first like four songs uh, you know especially like mr beat and whatever but robot stop kind of started the whole thing i'm like ah, oh, this is actually really good so once again, here comes album Matt with a with a song A-O-R. that he's picked and go go listen to the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, sometimes you need to listen to the songs around the song that you pick to understand why that's there, even. So yes. And it yeah. can still be the better song, but it's propped up by what comes and goes after it. So yeah, and and I I did. I went through a couple different songs and I'm like, oh but I like this part of this, song. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So yeah. Robot stop one out. Good stuff. Good stuff. My number four, I am actually going to bring metal to the show, which is probably a big surprise being 2016. I think I brought metal to the show once before in 1986 with Megadeth. I had a, a song yes. yep. from Megadeth. So this is my second time and we're very uh, far apart in years, but but really, as far as metal and sound goes, it's not that much of a, a stretch. The band is called Sabaton, and the song is called Battle at Bannockburn. I had to pick this because a metal band has written a Scottish battle song. The Battle at Bannockburn was where Robert the Bruce defeated the English army. You remember the movie Braveheart? At the very yes. end where the battle's taking place, and Robert the Bruce decides he's going to fight, and the horse goes up in the air, and he's going to charge in. That's the Battle of Bannockburn, and they win that battle. It's, you can go to the battlefield still here in Scotland. Okay. Sometimes they're cliches, and sometimes there are ones that are intentional, awesome cliches. And that's what this song is for me. Although for some reason, I thought almost all metal post-2000s was going to be screaming stuff that I just couldn't wrap my head around, I didn't realize there were going to be these amazing bands that still carry that torch of Maiden or Priest with big vocals and big guitar solos. I have tickets to see these guys next year and I expect nothing short of loud epic guitar solos, crazy pyrotechnics 
and heavy ringing in my ears when it's over. But when this song plays, <laughs> this song has bagpipes in it and it's Battle of Bannockburn. And I'm going to be in Glasgow watching this. <laughs> it, it, basically, if you could imagine going to a metal show in America where they were playing a metal version of God bless America or the star spangled banner and everybody really got into it. That's what this is going to be like yeah. for Scotland. So yeah, no, we Sa- got Whitney Houston. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. But Sab- <laughs> Sabaton, they're, they're a great band. This might not even be the best song off the album, but f- you yeah. have to bring this song to the show just because of the pure enjoyment of it being about Scotland in that battle. Yeah, and I did like the vocals in it. It did. It is kind of a throwback. I mean, there could be, like you said, there could be more metal like this out there, but having not gone down that road in a long time, mm-hmm. you know, just yeah. not aware of it. But yeah. yeah, I like that song. That was really good. Yeah, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So number five for you. Okay, I'm going to go with White Denim, and the song is Ha 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 Yeah. That sounds like us on this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 baby. Uh, so White Denim, they're one of my favorite bands of the last 10 years. It's like someone took a jam band, but uh, but made them write songs that make sense to me. Okay. And it, it's more in the vein of that, you know, traditional map of songs. Mm-hmm. But there's there's a lot of experimentation going on. There's flares of Prague and Garage and Psychedelic. There's plenty of guitar noodling. They're just one of those bands that came out of my indie phase. Mm-hmm. And if you go back to some, you know, their first recordings, you can kind of see how they've evolved into a little less of a garage band sound. But ha 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 ha, yeah, it gives me a little bit of Hendrix's fire. Um, it's damn catchy and funky, great energy. I can't recommend this band enough. Yeah, it's a great rock song. They, 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 it is. Yeah, they're really just a fun, fun American rock band. Mm-hmm. And when I talked earlier in the show about how we were missing rock for this year, I'm glad we saved this. For the end in your song and we didn't talk about some of these bands and the albums that came out because people should go listen to this band they should listen to this song it if yeah. you if you're missing that kind of great rock music yeah it's a great choice please go listen to white denim they're yeah. awesome yeah <laughs> all right jim that was my five what are you bringing in to wrap up the show here all right i'm going to wrap up the show with somebody i consider classic but classic in the modern way and that's dean ween and his album the deaner album the dean wing group <laughs> the song is called dickie betts who's <laughs> another person you might know play <laughs> yeah. guitar <laughs> yeah what, what can i say about dean ween he's such a great guitar player and while i was sad that Ween broke up for a bit this album is a refreshing example of what he brings to the band the song was an improv tribute to dickie betts who had just passed away before the album came out the playing is superb and it still has that subtle tongue-in-cheek presence found <laughs> in a lot of Ween songs. Oh, yeah. A nudge and a wink. The Diener pulls every cliched Allman Brothers, Dickie Betts band, key change, build up, and breakdown you could think of into this. And it works. It's an instrumental, <laughs> but it's still a lot of fun to listen to. I'm so glad you brought something Ween-oriented into this. Into this because they're... I can't wait for there's certain albums of Ween where I think that we'll, you know, we'll have good conversations yeah, about. We'll probably fight over chocolate and cheese when that pops up. <gasps> yeah. Mm, okay. Maybe not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that that wasn't the song I was thinking of. There's, but there are. Oh, the that, album chocolate and cheese. Oh no, but there's, yeah, there's other albums I like better. Okay. That's good. Good. But yeah, that's good. We won't have to fight over. 
Yeah, I'm glad for that. And, <laughs> and I hope the people that listen that are like, why don't they ever talk about Ween are happy for that. And I hope the people yeah. out there who have no clue who Ween are don't go out and listen to Ween and then judge us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or pick the or pick the wrong Ween album because just pick a Ween album and it's going to be different than another Ween album. Don't start with the mollusk. <laughs> I, there are some good songs on there. Yeah, there though. are. There are. But I'm like I said, I'm glad that Dean had a chance to step away and make this solo album because I think it went to show his chops away from just doing kind of that weird experimental stuff that Ween does quite often on their albums. And I'll say this music isn't necessarily traditional in the sense of rock and what's going on, Mm -hmm. but it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And what these guys are doing, in my opinion, with music, it really isn't much different than what Childish Gambino is doing with R&B and rap. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're kind of right there. I never put it in that perspective, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. Right. So with that, are we done? We're, we're done with 2016 now. That's us all done with 2016. We can wipe our hands clean. Yeah, it, it wasn't so bad. No. And you know what? We when finished we, on a high note with well, the five. Well, I would say when we come back to 2015 or 2017, there are probably going to be bits that we recognize around this year that yeah. we'll probably have a better time doing it. And it'll probably yeah. be more enjoyable for us. Yeah. So it'll definitely be a bit more uh, easier to recognize. Some yeah, stuff. I think sometimes because we're diving into years that are separated right now so that we're not doing too much too close together. We yeah. have a you know a different perspective on things as compared to doing shows that are tighter and closer in years. All right, Jim. I chose 2016. Mm-hmm. It is your turn to tell everybody where we're going next. Well, where we go next will not come out until after we take a short break. We are going to take a break for a, a couple of weeks, a few weeks. I am crossing the pond and I am going to go visit my family in Vermont which means, Matt, I will see you for the first time in about 12 years, (laughs) other than chatting. I think this is probably the longest time in our friendship. We physically haven't hung out with one another or seen each other, but it's it's been good to keep in touch over all this time. And I'm looking forward to seeing you. And I'm going to actually step us away from the whole, ooh, one year over here and one year over there and one year over here. And when we come back, we will do a back-to-back year. And as a gift to you, Matt, because you loved 1980 so much, we're going to go to 1981. Everybody listening has no idea what they're in for with 1981. <laughs> it's going to be huge. We're going to struggle. Fun. It's going to be a big year. And we're going to rely on the audience to make sure that my five songs, Matt five songs, and the five songs that they put on this show really kind of bring that year together. It's going to be neat. Oh, yeah, definitely. Good representation all the way around. Yeah. It's going to be such a big episode. It Can't is. Can't wait. All right, Matt, it's your turn to sign us off this week. So yeah, it's my turn to wrap it up. So we'll wrap up by saying thank you to everyone for listening and especially for the feedback on the Facebook page and the voting and all of that uh, participation. We really like it. And really, we wouldn't be doing it if people weren't, if people weren't listening. No. Well, maybe we would. <laughs> we just, would. As, <laughs> just an excuse to, to ha- have a couple beers. <laughs> But it, it, at least we get to have some fun while, while we're hanging out. And uh, and we'll keep it going while we're on the break. There'll be stuff on the Facebook page for people to still check Yeah, out. you'll probably see a little bit more activity just, uh, just to let you know that, hey, we're still here. You know, mm-hmm. we still want to talk about music with everybody. And if you have a comment or you want to start a conversation on a group or a song on the Facebook page, don't hesitate. Bring it. And uh, there's 
plenty of people on there that will engage in the conversation. So again, thank you for listening. And we will see you next time on the Jam Yearbook for version 1981. It's going to be great. Yes. Good night, everybody. Peace, love, and podcast.